Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Good to be here with you guys today. Thanks for joining us on this family service uh, today here at Rev. Uh, If you guys don't know me, my name is Jack Morgan. Uh, I serve as the youth director here. Uh, So if it is your first time here today, uh, please just know that uh, I'm not not up here every week, so don't have to listen to me. Uh, A little bit about myself. Uh, Back in May, I graduated from Boise State. Uh, I started interning here pretty quickly after that. I think it was like two weeks. And I started attending Rev when I was a freshman at Boise State, and I remember one of the first Sundays I came to Rev, it was a family service. Uh, This is when we were back uh, at the foothills, and they had all the chairs lined up in the back, and blankets on the floor, and I remember walking in, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Um, But family services is one of my favorite things uh, that we do here at Rev. Um, and it's a privilege to be up here today. So I'd like to pray before I start. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you for this time. Uh, Thank you that we get to gather together here uh, and just listen to to your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you soften our hearts, uh, you open our ears to to what you have to say to us, Lord. Um, And I just bless this time that we have together. In your name, amen. So that brings us to where we are today. Uh, We started a series in James uh, back in the beginning of January a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be finishing up chapter one this morning. Uh, Last week, uh, I was up in McCall with about 30 other uh, middle schoolers and leaders, and um, Mr. Brian Rome talked about the righteousness of God. Uh, So if you missed his sermon like I did, uh, I would encourage you to go on Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcasts and, and, and catch up on that. Uh, But I want to start out today with a little story uh, from my life. So this was back in first grade. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised by two amazing parents um, who who brought me to church every Sunday, even though some Sundays I really didn't want to wake up that early. Um, They taught me about serving. They taught me about Jesus in our house. Um, They acted like believers. I I was really, really lucky to grow up in that home. Uh, But around the time when I was growing up, there was a very, very controversial parenting decision that parents of believers had to face. And that was if they were going to let their kids watch SpongeBob or not. (laughs) And unfortunately, my parents did not let me watch SpongeBob. Uh, I I was devastated. I had many, many arguments with my parents about watching SpongeBob and they were very firm. They would not let me watch SpongeBob. Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember having so many arguments with them about why I couldn't watch it, but they wouldn't budge. Uh, still to this day, I joke with some friends that we still feel weird watching SpongeBob, even though I'm 22 years old. Uh, but anyways, it was first grade, Coconey Elementary School in Bothell, Washington. I'm sitting at the lunch table with my friends, and my worst nightmare starts to happen they started talking about Spongebob. 
and I remember sitting there, and I started sweating. I started, like, panicking. I remember, like, looking around, and I was like, okay, there's an open lunch table over there. Maybe if I, like, sneak out and, and run to that lunch table before they ask me, uh, I, I won't have to answer their questions. And then my buddy looks at me, and he goes, Jack, what's your favorite SpongeBob episode? And instead of just telling them that my parents wouldn't let me watch it, or I don't even know why I didn't just say, like, whatever episode they were talking about, whatever, I lied. And I lied big time. I didn't just, I, I think maybe I said what, whatever episode they were talking about, but then I was like, but guess what? Not only do I watch SpongeBob, last weekend I was out on the Puget Sound. I was with my grandpa. We were looking for crabs on the boat. And I actually saw SpongeBob <laughs> underneath the ocean in his little pineapple under the sea, all of his friends. And, and it was like a movie moment. Like everyone at the table like looked at me and just stared, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> what did I do? What did I do? But they bought it, and I was like, let's go. They thought I was, like, the coolest kid in the world. They were like, no way, tell me all about it. And then uh, I remember I got home later that day, and I was feeling so guilty. I hop off the bus, my mom's there, and I run to her, and I just started crying. I had to go back to school the next day and embarrassingly admit to all my friends that not only did I not see Spongebob in real life, but I actually have never even seen the show. And it wouldn't have even been such a bad thing if I would told my friends that day that I wasn't allowed to watch Spongebob. But the fact that I knew, I knew the answer to their question and I deliberately decided to go against it, that caused me a lot of pain with my friends, with my parents, and with myself. So today we're going to go over this section of scripture in James where he talks about being a doer of the word and acting out our faith. And the question I want to ask you guys today is what does that mean to act out your faith? I'm going to start by giving what I think James gives as our answer to that question, what does it mean to act out your faith? In James 1, 26 through 27, the end of our section today, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James tells us right there what he's looking for. He's looking for a true servant of him. He's clear that if people claim that they're following Jesus, but then don't act like what they're claiming to follow, then what they're following is worthless. But those who act on what they follow, what they're following is not worthless. Now, I'm going to assume that when we see this verse, there's one of two reactions that we might have. One is shame or sadness reaction. Maybe you read this verse and you think, wow, I'm just not there. You see what being a true believer is to God, but you know that you're just not there right now. Maybe you come to church on Sundays just to check the Jesus box in your life and say you went to church, but once you leave and once you, once you get out of church, you just continue to do whatever you want to do and however you want to do it. Maybe it's a particular sin in your life that you just you struggle with so much and you can't escape from. Maybe it's you struggle with lust or with jealousy or with pride. Whatever it is, 
you think that there's just no possible way that you can break free of that, the hold that this, that sin has on you. So when you look at this verse and what Jesus says, or what James says about what true religion is to God, you just say, that's not me. Now, the other reaction that I think you could have is equally as dangerous. And this is the reaction that I fear I fall into. And this is one pastor I know called this the Pharisee reaction. This is when you look up here and you're so concerned about doing everything right. When you look at what James said here, you think, wow, I'm doing a pretty good job. I help with the kids downstairs on on Sundays. I'm involved with my Bible study or with my gospel community. I, I help my neighbors when they're in need. I'm a good friend. I'm doing a pretty good job. I think, I think what, what true religion is, I think that's me. But the third option is, I think, the one that James desires for us to take away from this. And that's to run closer to Jesus. Because of who he is and what he's done for us, we can't do this on our own. I'm going to go back up to verse 21 at the beginning of the section. I feel like verses 26 and 27... And then verses 21 do a really good job of encapsulating what this section in James is saying to us. So verse 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I love that James uses the word filthiness here to describe sin. He, he chooses a word that's so gross and and offensive to us when he's describing sin that we should see that and almost get a little like queasy he he's describing sin as as filth and it's interesting to me that when he says put all filthiness away he's referring to this common old testament teaching about taking off clothes and putting on new clothes so he's he's describing taking off the filthy clothes that we have on and putting on new clothes. And I think often what it can feel like is this. So this took about, this took way too long. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I'm just wearing a bunch of clothes. Uh, it took way too long to put on all these clothes, and it was very, very uncomfortable. Uh, I was very sweaty. Our house was way too hot for doing this. Cole, thank you for taking the picture. Um, but I feel like this is what we can feel like when we have all these clothes on. We feel the weight of the sin on us, and we feel the weight of the trials that we've gone through. And like James said earlier, it's filthy. We have a choice, though. We have a choice to to keep living our lives like this, all sweaty and gross, or we can take off these clothes and put on the new and perfect clothes that Jesus has waiting for us. But I feel like we can also become so fixated on taking off these clothes that we forget about those new perfect clothes that Jesus has waiting for us. We are to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Oh, I'm going to go back there, sorry. Um, James uses this implanted word metaphor not to call on unbelievers to be convicted, but this is a call to believers. This is a call for believers to know that when we accept Jesus into our lives, we're not just saying a little prayer. We're not even recognizing what what he did on the cross. When we accept Jesus into our lives, it should completely change the way that we live. Jesus uses a similar analogy in a parable back in Mark 4, in the parable of the sower, 
where the sower plants seeds on rocky grounds, but they have no roots, so when they grow, they just wither away. And then some seeds are planted in thorns, but when they, when they grow, they're choked up by the thorns, and, and the plants die. But the plants that are grown on the good soil are the ones that grow and receive fruit. Now, it's very interesting to me because the disciples are confused when Jesus tells this parable. So they ask him to explain it a little bit further. And, and Jesus says that the, the rocky ground is like people who receive the word with joy, but because they have no roots within themselves, when they face trials or sorrows, their faith withers away. And then the thorns are the people who receive the word, but the desires of the world and the desires of their own heart when their faith starts to grow, she gets choked up and wither away. But the ones who bear fruit are the ones who receive the words and accept what it is. James uses basically the same thing, except instead of bearing fruit, he says it's uses our faith can save our souls. So he goes on in verse 22, which is the main point of this section, saying, be doers of the word, not hearers only, which is deceiving yourself. So where is it easy in your life to be a hearer of the word and not a doer? Maybe it's in your relationships. Do you keep your relationships at surface level or do you dig deeper into them and ask accountability for yourself and truly show people who you are? If you're a student in high school, middle school, elementary school, college, if you see someone getting bullied Do you just stand there and watch, or do you stand up for that person because you know that isn't right? Do you attend church on Sunday and call that good enough, or are you plugged in and serving in the ministry? This verse can be so weird because I feel like when we we read it, it looks a lot like it's talking about works-based faith, like how much do we have to do? We have to do this to to get to heaven or in order to save our souls, but that's not what this is talking about. This verse is saying that if we receive God and what Jesus did for us on the cross and we don't, it doesn't it change our lives completely in the way that we live, that Satan and the desires of the world will quickly take that faith away. In verse 23 and 24, James is trying to explain to us what he's talking about by being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So in verse 23, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Verse 24 says, If for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So this picture that James is painting for us here is like a guy who is looking at himself in the mirror, but then when he walks away, he forgets what he looks like in the mirror. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I have a pretty solid idea of what I look like even when I'm not looking in the mirror. I don't know if that's because we have phones where, like, I can literally just swipe over and see what I look like in the mirror. I don't know if it's because we have cameras and pictures on our phones that we can see that all the time. But I have a pretty good idea of what I look like, and I think you guys probably do too. So it didn't really connect to me at first, this analogy that James uses. However, it did make me think about the TV show Survivor. Um, How many of you guys have seen Survivor? Anyone? Yeah. All right. Survivor is one of my favorite shows 
in the entire world. Uh, I, I love this show. The first season came out in 2000, which is the year that I was born. Uh, I like to remind parents, especially of youth group, that I could be their kids for most of them. Um, but Survivor is, is, is my favorite show. It's such a great mix of like athleticism, competitiveness, survival skills, personal skills, strategy. It, it, it's awesome. I've gone back. I've pretty much watched every season. I could tell you who wins pretty much every season. Like, I love the show. And to get even nerdier about it, I, I would watch the clips of after they get voted out, they go to this place called Ponderosa because they can't, can't go back into real life because then it would like, kind of spoil the show. So they have these clips of them after they're voted out. And they go down this long path, and they're greeted by these like medical professionals who check their body weight, check to make sure that surviving out there didn't kill them, basically. But I always thought that the most interesting part was when they saw themselves in the mirror for the first time. And I think it's easy for us to forget about it because we've been watching them on TV for like the past two months. But they don't know what they look like in the mirror. So their reactions to themselves was always so funny. Like Some of them were like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I look like this on national TV. Like I'm so gross, my hair's crazy. I, 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 I don't know, some of them are like the opposite. Some of them are like, wow, I lost a ton of weight. This is awesome. Either way, they don't remember what they look like uh, in the mirror. And so what typically happens after that? What would you do? You know, this is when it started to connect with me. I thought about uh, the times I'd been in, in Costa Rica or in the Philippines and those, like, kind of tropical environments. And I remember being so sweaty and gross. And you just you feel like you're, like, when, when you're out there, you're like, I just need to take a shower. I need to put on some deodorant, which the middle school boys at camp last weekend need to take that advice. Um, you'd probably shower, brush your teeth, change your clothes. You would clean yourself up. And that's what James is describing here in verses 23 and 24. It's not someone who reads the Bible and forgets what they read. It's not someone who was taught something at church and literally forgot, like, what did he say again? That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying here is he's, the person who saw themselves in the mirror is the person who read the Bible or listened to what was said and decided to do nothing about it. This theologian says, a person who forgets what he has seen in God's word is one who reads or listens superficially, not imprinting the message on the soul. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for God who loves us so much, who gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins, even though it was us who rebelled against him, to see us forgetting what was taught to us. And this is the part that, when I was preparing for this, this was the part that broke my heart. I just, I can't imagine how disappointed and, and how sad it is for God to see, to see me, who, who I've been taught about Jesus my entire life, go against him because I think what my plan is for myself is better than what he has planned for me. I thought about all the Sundays that I've sat here at Revd. I've thought about all the Sundays that I've sat growing up in Imprint Church back in, in Woodenville. I thought about all the youth groups I've been to, all the camps that I've been to, all the Sunday schools that I sat through. And I thought about how I've heard the word of God and had so much truth being poured to my, into my life. 
Yet when I walked out those doors, I guess it's over here. When I walked out those doors, I continued to live my life the way I wanted to. And then I realized that I'm the man who looks at himself in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. And he changes his analogy a little bit here in verse 25, and he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So he switches from the person looking at himself in the mirror to the person looking at himself in the perfect law. And honestly, this confused me a little bit at first. I was like, why didn't he just say the person who looks at himself and remembers what he looks like? Like, that would have made sense to me. Those were, uh, that was a pretty easy comparison, I thought. But the shift is, is very intentional. He says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. A lot of people at the time when James would have wrote this would have thought that when he's talking about the perfect law, he was referring to Moses. But we know that he's referring to Jesus and the teaching that James observed of him. Moses, the law of Moses was not sufficient enough to take away our sins. But the law was perfected because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We now have the freedom, says law of liberty, we have the freedom to work alongside the Holy Spirit and truly obey God. So I think the shift from the mirror to the perfect law was to show us that when we're looking in the mirror, we're trying to do this all on our own. We see the reflection of ourselves, and it's us trying to work out our faith on our own. We end up feeling one of those emotions that we talked about earlier, the sadness, the shame, or, or the Pharisee reaction, like you're doing a perfect job. But the truth is, we cannot get there without Jesus. By looking into his word more, by abiding in him more, we grow closer to Jesus, and our actions, or being a doer of the word, as James says, will abundantly flow out of us because of how great, powerful, and loving our God is. In my little men's Bible study abiding pod, I don't know whatever we're calling it these days, we're memorizing 1 John chapter 3. And the first verse of that says, See what kind of love the Father has for us, that we may be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know him. We should love others so much and so well and be such doers of the word that the world has no clue what to do with us. So back to the question that we started with. What does it mean to act out your faith or be a doer of the word? What do you need to work on? For some of us, it might be showing our neighbors the love of Jesus. Some of us, it may be working on how we talk to our parents or how we love and lead our children. Regardless of what it is, what I personally want to challenge you guys with today is this. Run to Jesus. Running to Jesus looks a little bit different for each person and at each stage of life. So what does running to Jesus look like for you? If you're single, what does running to Jesus look like to you? Maybe, you know, it's so easy to elevate a relationship or a marriage, but running to Jesus 
because he's the only one that can fill that hole in your life. Or maybe if you're married and you have kids and you feel like you just have absolutely no time, what does running to Jesus look like to you? Maybe it's just asking for help in your community, asking for a babysitter so that you can have a night out and intentionally invest in your relationship. Maybe it's intentionally taking time away from your job or sacrificing financially to keep those relationships strong. Or if you're a student in school, what does running to Jesus look like to you? Is it showing love to people around you that maybe don't get the love of Jesus anywhere else? Or maybe it's as simple as picking up the Bible and reading it for yourself for the first time instead of just following what it says because that's what your parents do. Whatever it is, ultimately, Jesus is the one that will change your heart. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The more that we understand and love who Jesus is, the more we want to become like him. We won't have to worry about not being a doer of the word and being a hearer only because our lives will be overflowing with the perfect love of Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for how much you love us. I thank you for uh, the grace that you continually show me in my life. I thank you for just how good you are, Lord how faithful you are, how no matter how far I seem to walk away, you are there with open arms when I come back. I hope that we're challenged today to to not look to ourselves or our circumstances as a reason or excuse not to follow you, Lord. And I hope that as we try to become more like you, Lord, that we, we know that the only way to get there is by following you more closely. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.